Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. On today's show, we have Dahlia Heronbrook, who's a transformational coach, and she has a special interest in love and intimacy. And you're going to hear from today's podcast, she is the expert when it comes to dating and when it comes to alcohol-free dating or sober dating or whatever you want to call it. She's also a great coach. Um, We have a great chat, a good few laughs, and she even manages to push me well and truly out of my comfort zone to the point that I go bright red. I'm so glad this is a podcast. Enjoy it. The first thing I really wanted to know is, is well, uh, let's welcome you first and foremost, Dahlia. Thank you. you um, to coming on the show. I'm really excited about this. We met uh, a few weeks ago whilst giving a talk at one of the Soho house groups on um, going alcohol-free. And I was sharing my story, and then you shared your story, which I thought was fascinating. And we get onto the subject of dating and alcohol-free dating, which is your area of yes. expertise, yeah. uh, which ended up with you, I guess, appearing on the Lorraine show at one point as like a professional matchmaker and their um, dating expert, which, again, we're really interested in because this is a subject that continually comes up within our groups. We see it all the time because I think naturally, naturally, that's not the right word, conventionally, when we go on dates and whatnot, it's always engulfed in alcohol. And now suddenly you go alcohol-free and it's a bit like, oh, what next? But anyway, let's not deep dive into that just now. Let's just hear a bit of your backstory and how you, I guess you came to be on the Lorraine show is probably a good way to do it. Okay. Um, so I am a matchmaker um, and I am also a relationship coach. And I have, um, I work with a, with a, as a matchmaker with a company called Asprey Introductions, we it's a boutique matchmaking agency, and we have clients that we work with, and we match them up with other people, basically. But separately from that, I'm also a relationship coach, and uh, I am I work for myself. So Dahlia Heronbrook is my name, and that's uh, how I offer my coaching. Um, and that uh, so with the coaching I've done uh, essentially what is it's actually essentially a master's program with my own coach it has been a three-year journey of intensive study with him and I've also studied with um, other uh, sort of wellness gurus um, in, in the states and and here as well um, and I specialize in relationships because that's an area that has been for me a place where I have found the most growth 
um, within my relationships with other people and especially in love relationships. It's, you know, where, where the points in my life where I have shifted the most has been because of relationships. So that's why I have a particular interest in it. And, and I'm, I'm a romantic, so I believe in love. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm sure there's a song about that. <laughs> and actually, I remember just getting straight into it because I can't resist. I remember when we, we met before and we had a cup of coffee, we had a good chat about this. I thought what was really interesting about what you do, and it's so similar to One You Know Beer in many ways, is that I always say this, One You Know Beer is just an excuse to get us into the room. And once people come into the room to change their relationship around that alcohol, what they realise is there's this whole other world of development, of growth, and then they're ready to listen. And that's why we have these transformations. And I remember you saying it was almost similar with what you do. People come to you about their relationships with help with their relationships. But it's that that's the actual catalyst to looking at all different areas of their life. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think a lot of the time people come to me and they start off thinking, okay, great, now I can get a boyfriend or now I can get a girlfriend. But actually within the process, what happens is they realize that in making changes to their inner world that's what influences that outer world and that's where you get when you get that that shift internally um then yeah it, it has positive impact in every other arena of your life yeah and that's so true isn't it that you get the the internal state right that internal i guess compassion kindness and clarity and then everything looks different on the outside and i guess it's a case that people look different if you know what I mean. Anais Nin, she says, you know, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. And I think it's a very true statement because you, you're influencing how you see everything and how everything, how you react to everything, the kind of people that you invite into your life, the kind of people you want to hang out with, who you think are important, things that create drama for you or things that you step away from. It's all about your internal world. But, to go back to what you said about um, clarity, I think that's really important and it relates to one year no beer. And I think one of the things that you get when you remove alcohol from the equation, especially in a relationship or in a dating scenario, you do get more clarity. And that is where I think there is synergy between what I'm doing and what you're doing, which is the alcohol-free um, on, on your side and the, the dating and relationships on my side it's this this quest for clarity yeah and it's it's really exciting because and I just want to dive in on that point again about you know that we see people differently so it could be that you come to do an alcohol-free challenge for example and because of that clarity and that inner work suddenly people that you didn't think would be attractive before, for example, become much more attractive. And, you know, it, it just sort of loops back to that concern of if I stop drinking, you know, is my dating life going to be over? But maybe there's a really strong argument to say you'll actually start to attract like the right type of people because now you're you're seeing them from a place of clarity and, you know, alignment from your inner self rather than the stereotypical or the normal that would have been clouded by alcohol and hangovers and tiredness yeah I mean I think I think that's a really good point I think a lot of the time you can also see it from the other perspectives that we we might give more time to someone as a result of dating them and being drunk like the more 
woozy you are, the lower your, 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 your tolerance for people goes up because you're not really seeing who they are. Um, and if you don't have the clarity, you might carry on dating someone for, say, four or five dates when actually if you were, you in, you, when you, if you were just yourself and you were seeing them for who they really were and you were in, your, in the like, pure state of mind that you were in when you're sober, you'd be like, actually, this person isn't right for me. They're not that funny. They're not that interesting. The chat isn't that great. But when you add alcohol into the mix, things become funny. You know, you, you go away with an impression of having a really good time. You've not actually really seen that person for who they are. And you're not really connected with them either because it's the alcohol that's the connection between you. Um, and it can go on for longer than is necessary. If you were, if you were clear, you might just nip it in the bud and be like, you know what, nice person, but not for me. Um, and as you say, totally, like, um, sometimes you, you, you might miss out on seeing someone who is good for you because you're engaging with someone who isn't right for you as a result yeah. of not having the clarity of cutting them out. So, yeah. And that is such a key concept right there because it's sort of, I guess, what we're saying throughout One You Know Beer. It's about, you know, getting to the the, the heart of the matter and very often, like the social life that you assume is brilliant because you're drinking. But as you said, it's the drink that's actually creating this mirage of you having these great nights out. And when you remove it, you sort of get to the truth a little bit and you, you see other people having a so-called great night out. And you realize they're not having a great night out. In fact, it looks like a perfectly awful night out. Whereas when you've got that clarity of mind and you're alcohol free, you can really start to enjoy your social life. And on the flip side of that, it's the same with relationships, which I hadn't really thought about before that you're probably staying in those relationships, those first, second, third, fourth, fifth dates, way longer than you would normally. And therefore, if you compound that over, you know, your dating career, you're losing so much time. Yeah, imagine how much time you're wasting. (laughs) Over the years that you've spent. Over the years, when you could be focusing on someone who who you actually really like and really connect with. Yeah, and, and this and the reason this is really good to have this discussion because I think people gloss over this a little bit. And, and when it comes to going alcohol free and dating, it's a bit like, but I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna miss out and it's not gonna be the same. But actually, these are all the real hidden benefits that are oh, starting to surface. I mean, you get first of all, um, I know how intimidating it is to date uh sober because I I first of all I call myself a conscious drinker. I'm not a hundred percent sober, but um, you know it's so easy to just drink every day, basically, if you have a social life. And if your work involves networking and so on. So what I do is I do what I refer to as conscious drinking. So I will identify uh, evenings which I know I'm going to drink at. And the rest of the time, I'm just, I'm not a drinker. So I don't feel like I'm denying myself by saying, I'm not going to drink tonight. I I feel like I'm actually rewarding myself because I say I'm going to drink on that night if that makes sense um but so so if I I'm single and I'm dating so I know how intimidating it is to go to someone will say to you automatically they'll say let's go for a drink that's what people say so um and then you have this awkward moment where you say what do you do do you say I don't drink or do you say, because then that puts them off and then they're put there on the back foot? Or, you know, how do you manage that? 
And I, I think, um, but in doing that, you will automatically whittle out the kind of people who will judge you for not drinking or who will judge your lifestyle, whose lifestyle and your lifestyle is not compatible at all. So if someone's going to turn around and say, if you say to them, I, I, oh, I, I don't drink, or we can go for drinks, but I, I don't drink alcohol, whatever. And they say, oh, that's a bit funny. You're, you know, you're a bit weird. Or what do you mean you don't drink? Come on, you can have one. Well, you don't want to hang out with that person anyway, because you're not aligned. So immediately you've saved yourself the time, the energy and the money of going out with that person who isn't suited to you at all. Um, and so anecdotally, what I often do is I'll say, um, you know, uh, a drink or a cup of tea because I don't really drink, but whatever, I can have a cup of tea. And, and often people are just interested. They're like, oh, why don't you drink? You know, and it can be a conversation starter and it, it allows you to, it's a, it's a point, it's an interesting point about you, why you've chosen to do this. What is it about your lifestyle? Your lifestyle is important to you. So you're actually giving a lot of information that's positive about you, that's important information to this other person. And if they're then interested and intrigued and curious, well, then you know that that's a good first step, right? Because their core value and your core value is resonating. Yeah, and I think that is, it's so true that actually in having that discussion, you almost fast forward the relationship a little bit at the very start because it's yeah. so easy to go, let's just go for a drink. Yeah, let's go for a drink. And then you turn up and you have a drink and then you try and figure out if there's any sort of connection there. Whereas almost that spark of conversation at the start, that interest in, oh, you don't drink, is enough to maybe kickstart the relationship or at least give you a clue as to whether this might work or might, might not work. And as you say, whittle out the people that's not worth wasting your time on. And here's the thing, I'm guessing for most people listening to this who have been through the traditional sense of dating, let's say with alcohol, and are now single again and looking at dating again, probably will admit have wasted a ton of time on the wrong yeah. people, right? So it's the question, how's that going for you? It didn't go that well. So maybe this is your chance to try something completely new that will give you an opportunity to meet people that you could form and there's nothing more bonding than vulnerability as well i mean from the get-go by saying to someone that you're not drinking you're showing a vulnerable side of yourself you're showing some truth about yourself and that is so much more connecting than having a sloppy drunken date with someone where you don't really reveal anything about yourself to the other person because the whole point of the alcohol is to create it's a soothing mechanism. You're nervous. You don't want to be vulnerable. So you you have a drink, then you have two, and then you're not really being yourself. So at no point do you really connect with that person. Whereas, but just by saying, you know, oh, I don't drink, you open the conversation, but you're also showing vulnerability, and that is that's a very attractive thing, I think. And for someone to accept your vulnerability and respect it, that's a very attractive thing. So yeah, lovely. And yeah, and that's that's so true. And I always think like this as well, just about the whole alcohol free dating thing. You know, how many times has the potential love of your life just walked past and you didn't notice them because you were in a haze of you know <laughs> Yeah. And that that person, there they are, they're, they're the love of your life, just walking past and you didn't even notice them because you were like 
swilling pints or drinking vino collapso, as it were. So now you. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm of the opinion that there are many, many loves. We all are multifaceted people. I, I feel like this idea that you're going to miss out on your one chance of happiness is isn't necessarily a, a true one. I think there's lots of chances at happiness, but you definitely, definitely create more opportunity for yourselves, in my opinion, by actually going on a, de- a, a date sober in the, in the get- yeah. even if you're a drinker. Yeah, no, exactly. There's a really nice point just there. Even if you are a drinker, why not? Or a conscious drinker like yourself and actually we'll come back to that in a second because that was really interesting but even if you're a conscious drinker because you know one you know beer is not all about giving up alcohol forever this is not an abstinence competition you know i choose not to drink because it offers me nothing Ruri drinks very similar to you he doesn't call it that he calls it drinking in control but it's the same thing where he picks certain dates to drink so yeah this is about people taking the time to actually date alcohol free whether they drink consciously or not because exactly that for all those benefits that you get you know the added clarity the added connection you know being vulnerable showing your true self actually whittling out the people that are like now nah, no interest you know i think there's so many positives to this whether you're yeah. drinking or not yeah totally um and then just to pick up on that just let's just dive into that a little bit the conscious drinking thing because um this is really interesting to our audience as well because what tends to happen is most people come to us with the initial idea i think of taking a break and then going back and what happens for lots of people they take a break feel amazing and keep going and then they keep going from 28 days to 90 days and feel really amazing and keep going even longer um which is fantastic but Mm. at the same time lots of people then really address their relationship with alcohol they go back to i guess what we'd call moderation and i always think moderation is so so difficult because unlike i think what you described moderation for me is back into your normal social life drinking all the time but just drinking a lot less and i think that's so difficult to manage it can be done absolutely 100 percent, but it, it requires a ton of effort in fact it's way harder than just being alcohol free but then there's this other option idea which i think you've just um suggested there this conscious type of drinking so how does that work for you i know you sort of touched on it there but just maybe just explain that in a bit more detail So I totally agree with you about how difficult it is to drink in moderation. It's much easier to have total control and just say no, because then there's no gray area. It's really hard to um, have just one drink or just two drinks. It's really hard because you have a couple and then you think, oh, maybe I have another one. And and then, and then the next day you feel really guilty because you're like, oh, I wasn't moderating myself. Da, da, da. And so I found that a really helpful middle way is rather than denying myself all the time or trapping myself, with, which is the way I see it, other people may see it differently, but trapping myself with this fallacy that I am able to drink in moderation. Um, uh, what I do, and, and tied in with that is this idea of, denying yourself and creating a stick to beat yourself up with and this negative like if I slip I am a bad person if I have a drink I've done something wrong and then you create this cycle of shame for yourself which is really negative and it's really bad negative self-talk you then talk to yourself in this negative way like not drinking is good drinking is bad and then if you have a drink you're a bad person so um so this is why 
I've decided my, the best way for me is to select times that I'm going to drink. So I think of myself as a, as a, the, the rest of the time I'm just not drinking. I don't feel like I'm missing out because I don't think of myself as a drinker who's forcing themselves not to drink. I think of myself who, who drinks, someone who drinks occasionally. And, um, and therefore I'm not creating this negative, uh, self-negativity basically. Where, where I'm either a good person or a bad person, depending yeah. whether I'm or not. And so, yeah, so I find that um, has been a very helpful way for, of me. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I feel very comfortable now. And I've, I've done the full sobriety uh, thing by choice, um, not by necessity, fortunately for me. So, and, and I think that's, a, that's another important thing. Like, there's a difference between someone who has an addiction and someone who just feels that they're maybe drinking too much. So the conscious drinking thing is, is something that I could only advocate for someone who's the latter, not the former. Yeah, and that's, that's so important. And I think the vast, vast majority of one you know, beer members are in that, you know, in that camp of... Um, just wanting to change their relationship with alcohol and I think it's 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 fantastic actually the way you describe that because that really for me is what it's all about if you return to drinking because mm. I genuinely feel that moderation like you said ends up in that cycle of shame it just ends up in continued disappointment you're constantly resisting something that you're basically saying to yourself I really want this thing all the time but I'm just going to have a bit less of it right that is a nightmare that is just like in an internal war that's going to rage in your head all the time is this a five drink moment is this a two drink moment it's a wedding am i letting loose moment you know it's just and to, to manage that well again takes so much effort whereas you know as you say you had that break that longer break from alcohol again what we sort of advocate and then it's getting to the end of that and going well actually look, i'm not a drinker really anymore i don't see myself particularly as a drinker but on these occasions select occasions whatever that is per year I'm going to have a drink. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let go. And, it, and, and it's not because I'm weak. It's because I'm choosing to celebrate my friend's wedding or my friend's birthday. Or, you know, I've gone on a few dates with someone and I really like this guy. And yeah, I'm going to have a glass of red wine. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't have to be momentous things either. It doesn't have to be just Christmas, just a wedding. It can be small things because the small things in your life are what give you joy more continuously, right? So um, I think that's important an important point to make as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and I think, again, so many people will connect with that. It's just reaching that that point, that nirvana that I think so many people are after, that being able to manage that, you know, and then suddenly that it doesn't become the one glass of wine, the wedding, the birthday, the, and then back to square one. So I think, you know, it is a fine line, but I think for lots of people, their dream, their vision is to achieve exactly what you've achieved, to exceed achieve exactly what Ruri's achieved same thing in total control and I think once you reach that place that's fantastic you know that relationship with alcohol has been transformed which is our one our trick that I also have re- pertaining to this is that I will not allow myself to have two days in a row got it yeah so I wouldn't give myself I wouldn't say I'm going to do it on Friday, have a really fun party. On on Saturday, I'm I'm having another really fun party. I'm going to drink on both days. I'll, I'll choose one if that ever comes up. I'll choose one over the other. I wouldn't won't do two in a row. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to have some of those boundaries in place. Rui talked a lot about this as well, to, to manage that, you know, conscious drinking or whatever you call it. There still has to be some boundaries just so that, you know, those old habits are not starting to creep in. And as you say, it's not Sunday or oh, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, and then, you know, back to square one. So I think that's that's a key point. Um, but to go back to back the dating, to the, I think, I think yeah. I'm sure that your your listeners would be interested in, you know, the first kiss, the sober first kiss moment. Because yeah. <laughs> once you get over, um, and the first time you sleep with someone as well, I mean, it's important. This is a, it's a fact of life and it's something that, you know, maybe people don't want to talk or ask about because they're a bit embarrassed, but you know, it's, it's really important. This is an important part of a relationship. And, um, I can say from my own firsthand experience that I actually went out with a recovering alcoholic, uh, for a while, um, a few years ago. And it was a revelation because although I've never been a big drinker, the first time I realized that when I started going out with him, the first time I'd been on a date, the first time I'd slept, uh, kissed someone and the first time I slept with someone had always been with a drink. And he was the first time that none of the, that I had total clarity when I, in each of those stages was, was with him. And something that was, it was just, it was just amazing to have that connection with someone in total clarity, being completely sober. And alcohol is a suppressant. It suppresses your nervous system. You don't actually feel as much in a physiological way. You're not as um, physically sensitive when you drink. It's, it's much more sensual and powerful as an experience to connect with someone physically when you're sober. I think that's really important to, to to highlight for the people who are interested in sober dating. Yeah, and that's that's so true. And I think, as you say, people might maybe a bit embarrassed to talk about these things, or that they're you know inquisitive and interesting. It's a bit like, oh, how's that going to work? Because I was like, I yeah, because alcohol's always there to kind yeah. of you know make it easier. Like, who does the kiss first? Like, oh, it's a bit awkward. You just have to write it out, you know, like the, this awkwardness. That, well, this is another thing is that people drink to avoid awkwardness, to avoid feeling that moment of like having to confront something. But life is all about getting over the confrontation, getting over that feeling of fear. Alcohol takes the fear away, but the fear itself is part of your growth process. So every time you confront your fear, you're growing as a person. Uh, and, and as I said, it's the little things that build up that make you who you are. So if going in for a kiss sober causes you a moment of fear and, and anxiety and you, you go through it with it anyway, with that kind of the elegance that you have when you're sober – you're only growing as a person and you're connecting more to the other person because you've, again, you've been vulnerable um, in that moment with that person. Yeah, that is it's genius. There it is right there, isn't it? It's that growth. It's that overcoming. It's that stepping outside your comfort zone and things like sober kisses and whatnot 
it's all part of the process. Yeah, you can't even say it. It's called sex. I know. <laughs> what not? Children could be somewhere in the house. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm blushing. <laughs> Luckily, this is a podcast. Thank God, this is a podcast. Oh my God, I'm as red as my hair right now. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Sober sex. Oh my God. Yay, I just have become my own barrier. <laughs> said the word out loud as a man, as a ginger man. We don't talk about this stuff. I'm so glad you pushed me out of my comfort zone. But it is so true, isn't it? It's so true. All of these things are just those barriers where there's growth. You know, all the growth is outside our comfort zone. And that's what alcohol does. It makes it so easy because it removes, it tricks our brain into becoming a bit fearless. That I would say for 99.9% of the people listening, like you, first kiss, first time they had sex, was all, so I did it twice there, I'm on a roll now, um, was all alcohol-induced, pretty yeah. much, or somewhere you, close you, to the it. The second time you said it, you did it without resisting. And this is the, the other thing, like, you do it once, and the next time it's easier. It's really important. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you, you know, you'll just be kissing everyone soon. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. As long as my wife would be all right. <laughs> this could go horribly wrong. <laughs> no, but no, I mean, I'm serious. You know, this is the thing. It's, it's people are afraid to do something for the first time. And then once you realize that it's really not a big deal, and then in fact, you get so much more out of it, you're like, why haven't I done this before? Why was I so afraid and resistant to it? Um, and yeah, so I think it's breaking down, as you said, breaking breaking down that barrier uh, is 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 very important. Yeah, and just to sort of conclude on that bit, it's like everything. It's like that first time you go out and have that big social event and don't drink, like the empowerment that comes from that, because there's no stopping you, right? You don't have to essentially take this drug to be able to have a good time. You realise you can go on dates and be yourself and be authentic and be real. Like there's something really powerful about that because then you're unstoppable. Because then you can go on a date with anyone and you don't have to set the scene to involve alcohol. Because let's be honest, you know, prior to that, most people, it has to be in a bar or it has to be in a certain place because, you know, you need that um, that fake confidence, as it yeah. were, which I think is truly powerful. Um, but let's go back on to, I just want to quickly talk about being a professional matchmaker right. and then your appearance on Lorraine as well. Because I did, I sort of YouTubed it up and there you were. The <laughs> that you are, I was so impressed. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, what would you like to know? Well, just how that came about and, and that side of what you do, because I know it's slightly different to what you do now. Oh, I see. So, well, I was actually on a TV show called The Ultimate Matchmaker, um, which uh, is on a channel called W, which is on Sky Network. And um, I think it's on Talk Talk and Virgin. Um, and it was a very fun show to film. Um, the premise was we are matchmakers um, and we match people up on the show. So, so it was really fun. And actually everyone who came on the show was in some way connected to us. So, you know, the clients that we had on the show, it, it, they were real life connections. It was a reality TV show. Um, and so that was really fun to make and I learned a lot about TV production directing and like I really really enjoyed that the whole process of doing that um so being on Lorraine 
was part of the promotion for for that show. Oh, fantastic, fantastic! And then what's um, in your world at the moment? I know you're writing a book. I remember you telling me about. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it, to to link back to what I said in the beginning about how for me some of the most growthful moments in my life have been as a result of relationships and actually relationship breakdowns. Um, and then you you really have to think about why why did that happen. Um, what was my role in it and how can I move forward so that next time I am a better partner and choose more wisely and yeah like how can I learn from this to to grow Um, and that that's happened to me after every breakup that I've had and so I think that breakups although they are extremely painful they are also extremely powerful moments and I think it was Jung who said there is no shift in consciousness without pain Um, and so I thought that I would like to write a book um, that helps people go through their breakup uh, that kind of explains why you feel certain ways because the other thing is that we feel like a slave to our emotions at that time and you feel extremely raw and you don't really know what's going on and but there's a lot of brain chemistry that's happening there's a lot of sort of dopamine and losing out on 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 the dopamine and then and hormones flooding through you and you are actually a slave to these things and it's important to know what your body's going through so that you know what the context for what you're experiencing um so there's a little elements of that in it as well but I go through all the different phases that I've identified of the breakup process from the moment of breakup until the moment you don't really feel anything anymore which is such a relief um and then also I go through self-care that you can do and then there's a coaching section that's how I think of it at the end which is really kind of I hope will be so I'm still writing it at the moment will be the part of the book that leads you into uh, the questions like how can I move on from this in as healthy way as possible so yeah that's the book Oh, wonderful. And that obviously complements what you do now, which is the coaching. So just to, I mean, you sort of touched on it there. As it stands, if our members want to get in touch with you, if they want to work with you, what's the the process? How do they? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I do you you can put my uh, email address. I'm happy for people to to email me to ask me about it. But yeah, the, the coaching process is we would talk um, about what it is that you want to go through, what you want to unpick. Uh, and then we would have sessions where we either, you know, I, I do work with international clients on Zoom or Skype, but also in person, if anybody lives in London, um, I see clients in person as well. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it would be really interesting to see. Oh, and that's before we wrap this up actually i just want to sort of put it out there to our members who would be interested in sober dating in the sense that maybe trying to connect with other people you know oh right so yeah so getting people together well why don't we do that andy 
yeah, that's what we should do. Now I'm like all into this. Well, I'm like, <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we like bring people together? Because I'm sure that you know, it's nice. It's nice to know that when you are in a dating situation, that everyone around you is sober, at least exploring a healthier lifestyle. As I said, it's a big connecting point. So maybe we should get people together. Yeah, this is what we're thinking. So if you're in our groups or in the Facebook groups or Instagram or, or just, you know, email us at info at one, you know, beer, let us know if this is the type of thing you'd be interested in. And maybe we'll do exactly that. We'll put something together, whether it's an event or an evening. And we'll yeah, have fun. Yeah. yeah cool. I, that. <laughs> yeah, I, think that's, I think that's the way forward. And I, this keeps coming up. It keeps coming up and people keep suggesting you should try and create something. And even in our group, I see this come up. I must admit, people will say, you know, I wish there was a, you know, an app or a way to connect with other people um, that are also uh, uh, alcohol free and, and, and um, looking to date. So I think it's the way forward. So yeah, let us know if you can info at one, you know, beer or Facebook or Instagram or all those things. If you would be interested in getting together with other alcohol free people or singletons that are looking to meet someone special. Yay. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, uh, Dahlia, thank you so much for coming on. That, that was wonderful. You you helped me overcome a barrier that's been there for a long while. Because <laughs> I've I, I, this has come up on numerous occasions and I've just dodged it. But you went, boom, you didn't let me out. You were no. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's the coach in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I was trying to nicely suffer. I, I got away with it and no. No. <laughs> no thanks andy all day long and i'm so it. happy <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good it was but so nice to chat to you yeah, um thank you for thank having you. me on and i look forward to maybe doing an event with you soon perfect thanks right. that's a love bye bye for listening to the one year no beer podcast for a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself head on over to oneyearnobeer.com oneyearnobeer.com